0: Welcome to episode 14 of the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. We're going to go to the world's largest internet trade show this week with live recordings from AdTech New York. We have a 10 list, a podcast of the week, and a ton of call-ins. So first of all, let's meet some of the folks we met from all around the world at AdTech New York.
1: I am Cynthia now from Quick Media in Buenos Aires. Well, it was incredible to be here in AdTech.
0: I'm here with Sonia Schweigert from Creative Web Blogging at AdTech New York. Uh, Sam
2: Stern, uh, here from
3: Australia, and working for Yahoo. Jean-Baptiste Lepesant, from Cossette, uh, Montreal, Canada. Noah Bergelson, presenting
2: uh, Keshet Broadcasting. It's the number one broadcaster in Israel. All
4: right, I'm uh, Shannon
5: Clark, and I'm starting an ad network.
6: Christine, I'm uh, working for AdTech in Europe for the London show.
5: Hi, I'm Tom Bollier with Niche Marketers Network. Don Chapman,
7: uh, Road Loans from uh, Texas. Hello, and thank you, Jay. Uh, this is Alex Lee.
2: I am the CEO of China Springboard, a China-based online ad agency and ad network this is John Biserano with ROI Makers. I'm here with Ross Weinstein from Ingenio. Hey, this is uh, Ray Costa of Flatiron Media.
0: My name is Piyush Pankaj, and I represent the company by the name TheBlindNetwork.com.
8: Well, hi, uh, my name is uh, Alex Harris uh, for AlexDesigns.com. Hey, Bruce
2: Condit, I'm with SuperPages.com from Dallas, Texas. Hi, I'm David Myron, uh, Editorial Director of CRM Magazine and Speech Technology Magazines based out of uh, New York.
6: Hi, my name is Christine Johansson. I am a representative from New Star Ultra Services.
9: Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now, here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz.
0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for joining us for episode 14. If this is your first TGR podcast, welcome aboard. Each week we're going to cover the latest news and strategies in internet marketing. And through call-ins and interviews with leading experts, we're going to try and make each other a little bit smarter about how to use the internet for business, how to develop your personal productivity online, and just how to have a little bit of fun. If you like what you're hearing, please go to iTunes, click on the iTunes store, and search for 10 Golden Rules. You can subscribe to this podcast for free, and each week when we do a new show, you'll get an update on your iTunes, and you can throw it on your iPod or add it to a uh, a CD and take it in the car with you. Also, we'd love you to join the conversation. Please call our free digital recording line anytime at 206-888-6606. It's a digital audio recorder. It's an automated system. So seriously, you can call it at any time. And what the system does is digitize your call, turn it into bits and bytes of information. Go ahead, mention your website, your podcast, share an opinion or ask us a question, and we'll include your comment on a future show. We've got a bunch of great comments coming up. We also have uh, just a ton of stuff in the audio hopper. We've got about three full shows of information and stuff recorded at Ad Tech and, and, and at some of our trips around the country. So if you've been on a recorded segment, please be patient. We'll try to get most of it in during the next two to three weeks. For this show, we're going to focus on audio from the world's largest internet advertising show at AdTech New York. And we also have a couple great uh, interviews coming up. I interviewed Andrea Nirenberg, and she's just written a new book called Savvy Networking, 118 Fast and Effective Tips for Business Success. And if you've ever been that person standing in the corner at a networking event that your boss forced you to go to and you didn't know what to say and how to make the most out of the event, you've got to listen to the interview with Andrea. We developed the uh, top 10 tips for networking or the 10 golden rules for networking uh, together and Andrea and I will share how to make the most of those networking events. We also sat down with a good friend of mine, Sarah Caldicott, and Sarah has finally come out with her book. She's the great-grandniece of Thomas Edison, and we discussed her new book called Innovate Like Edison, The Success System of America's Greatest Innovator, and you'll learn about Edison's principles for innovation. What a great place to start to learn about how to be creative and how to innovate and how to have success in business. Well, there was definitely some really big news announced at AdTech this year. While we were there, Facebook announced their new social ads platform or their social advertising platform. They claim that their ads will be getting more relevant and more interesting to users instead of getting random messaging from advertisers. Now, it's very exp- inexpensive to get started with Facebook social ads, and I've even seen some bloggers testing ads on on Facebook. So we're going to give it give it a test drive for 10 golden rules. We'll let you know how it goes in the next couple shows. The other big announcement that created a ton of buzz at the show was the announcement of Google's open social platform. Open Social is currently being developed by Google in conjunction with MySpace, LinkedIn, Plaxo, Salesforce.com and a, num- a number of other major social networks and major uh, technology companies. Now basically common APIs are application programming interfaces and and this is the source code or the operating rules of a website or a web network. Developers can use these new APIs, these new rules, to create applications that will work across a number of different social networks. So basically Google's trying to uh, create an easy way for developers to to place app applications on different social networks. Open Social addresses three common programming rules that have allowed developers to access core functions and information. So things like the profile information or the data that users provide, the friends information, how all your friends connect, and different activities or, or applications that you choose to take part in on the social network. And this allows Google's um, or Coot, which is their social media platform, it's been very successful in other parts of the world, not as popular in North America, so Google and, and Orkut and MySpace and LinkedIn, um, all of those uh, companies now join together on a common platform where Facebook's platform is will be a competing platform. So it will be interesting to see how the open social and social platforms play out in the social media wars in the next coming weeks. <laughs> Okay, so let me cover off a few schedule details, and then we'll get to some call-ins. We we had a really great event uh, this past Wednesday for the American Marketing Association. We ran a full-day Internet Marketing Boot Camp. We certified a whole bunch of individuals as Internet marketers with the American Marketing Association. And we recorded some audio at that show, and we'll get to that in a coming show. And I just wanted to give a special call-out to Jonathan Gluck, who heard about this event on the 10 Golden Rules podcast, and he's a very loyal podcast listener. So, Jonathan, very, very great to meet you, and thanks for coming out to the AMA event. This coming November 30th, I will be at the Professional Club's Marketing Association with a new presentation called The Top 10 Strategies to Market Yourself and Your Company on the Internet. On December 10th, I'll be sharing a presentation called The 10 Leading Strategies for Building Traffic to a Website and Turning Visitors into Buyers. And this will take place at the Specialized Information Publishers Association on December 10th at their marketing conference at the Lowe's Hotel in Miami. We have some really great events booked for the DMA and IMA in January and February of next year. And links to all of our events are listed on our homepage at 10goldenrules.com. okay let's get to some audio call-ins we got a whole bunch we're gonna have to save a couple over for next week but first off here's some friends I met at PodCamp Boston it's Amanda Mooney and Amanda Gravel and here's their calling
1: hi Jay hi 10 Golden Rules podcast listeners this is Amanda Gravel and Amanda Mooney and we're the social media coordinators at Schneider Associates a PR agency in Boston our agency has challenged us to find out what web users think were the most memorable product launches of 2007. Was it the iPhone, Windows Vista, or maybe the latest episode of 10 Golden Rules? We'd love to hear your personal picks. Email us at a.gravel@schneiderpr.com at or a.mooney@schneiderpr.com, at and we'll include you in a post we're writing for our agency's blog, launchpr.com. Thank you. We look forward to hearing from you.
0: Thanks, Amanda and Amanda. Uh, So that's a great question. What do you think some of the biggest launches were of 2007? I'd love to get your feedback as well. So email one of the Amandas at Schneider PR and give us a call in at 206-888-6606. Let us know what you think the biggest launches of the year are. We always do a a blog, and, and this year we'll do a podcast around predictions for 2008, but I'd love to hear what you think the biggest stories were from two thousand and seven next up a call in from robin who's a new listener to the ten golden rules podcast
1: hi jay this is robin with Caboodle kids i just wanted to call and let you know that i love your show i just um found you hmm, probably about a week week and a half ago so i'm just kind of catching up on some of your older shows and stuff and um... just wanted to express that i really like the show i'm learning things i'm trying to uh do some of them um with my business and i just wanted to let you know actually my sister-in-law works at e so i was like you know who this guy is you know i was just going on and on and um you know she was checking it out i don't think you guys work at the same time because she's there now and you probably left earlier anyway but i just wanted to say great show and love to listen all right bye
10: Hey
0: Robin, what a great call. Thanks so much for participating. And drop me an email. Let me know who your sister-in-law is. I'd love to meet her. I actually left eDiets over four years ago now. I still have some great friends over there, but we uh, we left eDiets to start 10 Golden Rules in uh, the fall of 2003. Uh, Next up, a call in from our good friend Allison from Birmingham, Alabama.
1: Hey, Jay, it's Allison Terrell with Executive Traveler. just wanted to thank you again for coming out to speak to the American Marketing chapter here in Birmingham. We had a great time listening to you, and you had a lot to offer based on what's going on with the latest and greatest in Internet marketing. And I wanted to take you up on your suggestion to give a call in and make a comment. I wanted to see what you guys had to say about the article in the New York Times Day regarding how many sites hit depending on who's counting. Um, basically, the conversation along the lines of, the difference in ratings from CommScore and Nielsen ratings versus companies' websites and how the numbers are varying. I think they're saying Common Mass International account was 1.8 million visitors per month, versus ComScore had it at 421,000 and Nielsen had it at 497,000. So I'm just curious to see what you guys think, what the best rating system is we should be following, and how to. I guess best educate ourselves for the debate on where this is going in the future. Once again, thanks for coming out to Birmingham. It's great to see you and look forward to hearing your comments. Bye.
0: Hi Alison, thanks so much for taking the time for calling in. First of all, big apologies to anyone at the AMA who was at the event. We recorded the Q&A session live after the presentation and we didn't get the audio recorded properly, so if you asked a question Please feel free to call it in. We'll answer your question on an upcoming show. Once again, the number 206-888-6606. But if you're listening from Birmingham, we we won't have any audio from that show. Um, Allison asked a question about the New York Times article of about uh, 10 days ago now. And we'll have links in the show notes if you didn't see the article. Basically, they asked about finding reliable data to evaluate the traffic claim by different websites by Comscore and Nielsen. And these services are basically projections based on a snapshot of web traffic. They're able to to, um, tap into web servers and look at a number of people, the the websites that they go to and the number of pages they view on those websites. And then they create a projection to the overall population. And what really matters is how these ads perform for you. I'd be much more on the side of talking about, um, we'll just ignore the facts line, I'd be <laughs> I, I, I guess I didn't do a very good job ignoring um, I I'd be much more on the side of figuring out what um, how, how the ads are performing for you how many people really click on the ads and take a desired action on your site Using a back-end analytics program, you're really going to find out where it really matters. Um, we like a program such as Google Analytics or Omniture, Web Trends or Net Insights. And, and for small or medium-sized companies, we really recommend Google Analytics. Google Analytics is free with an AdWords account and has a very robust capability. It tells you where your web traffic is coming from, which websites or keywords are driving traffic to your site, and then which actions people are taking on the site. And they're signing up for your, you know, when they come to your site, are they taking the action you want? Are they signing up for your newsletter? Are they making a purchase? Or do they leave on the page where they ask for the credit card? Basically, this gives you the information to determine which pages you need to design, redesign. Which pages should, be, should you be testing different approaches, different offers? Do you need different security claims in order to get people to give you an email address or a credit card? So... The, the big companies, Comscore and Nielsen, look at traffic from an overall standpoint. We prefer to look at where's your traffic coming from, who's sending you that traffic, and what's happening when they get there. Let's get to another call-in. This is from another TGR listener, Eric Wolf.
8: Hey, Jay. I really love the work you've been doing. This is Eric Wolf of the Art of Storytelling with Children podcast, where we talk about the art form of storytelling and how you do it with kids or how you tell the kids, um, at storytellingwithchildren.com. And I just want to remind you again, Jay, that I am really amazed at the depth and the breadth of the content that you are sharing with us. And you're not just giving us crumbs, you're giving us whole slices of the pie. And I have felt so inspired by your show in terms of how many hours I actually have listened, very few hours, and so much impact on my practice in terms of, my website content or how I put things up and what I'm doing. And I would highly recommend that everybody listening to this show go back and listen to the old shows on the feed, um, especially some of the ones about search engine optimization. And I I just look forward to uh, upcoming shows and listening more to uh, your great interviews. Thanks, Jay
0: no thank you Eric so thank you so much I'm actually blushing Um, if if you're new to the 10 golden rules podcast and want to learn more about uh, search engine optimization definitely check out the show notes you can go to 10goldenrules.com and click on podcast and you'll see the notes from all the previous shows and you can select things you want to learn more about Um, in in show number one and two we covered the 10 golden rules of internet marketing we've had some great interviews in show 10 we talked to Steve Krug Who's, who's really the worldwide expert on web design and usability. We interviewed Tim Westergren, the founder of Pandora, Laura Storitis from Business Wire, and we covered 10 tips for optimizing a press release on how you get picked up on Google and the other search engines. So definitely, there's a lot of great content um, contained on previous shows. And Eric, thank you so much. Great to, um, to meet you and uh, hear from you, and um, just a, a real thrill. Thank you so much. Okay, next up, let's do the live from the blog segment. The team at 10 Golden Rules shares the top tips that they're reading about and the best things they're learning, experimenting when we're doing tests for our clients. And um, they, they, we share this information every week on our blog, and, and they record it for the podcast. So first up is Margie, and let's go live from the blog.
9: Hi, this is Margie. In a recent blog post at Search Engine Land, Greg Sterling reports on a recent study that found seven out of ten Americans experience search engine fatigue, which I define as the frustration created when spending an inordinate amount of time searching and not finding what you were looking for. Seventy-eight percent of respondents actually wished for a search engine to be able to read their minds. Greg suggests that this is a strong argument for search personalization, which is a great idea for a sophisticated searcher, but my first thought was more along the lines of, these people need to learn how to perform a search. Some people are good at search, meaning they've learned how to use keywords, filter their searches, and other tactics that many considered advanced techniques. But how does the average internet user learn to search and become better at it? I made a quick visit to the top search engines looking for a how to search link on the homepage. Surely, as with any good piece of software, there was a help section, right? Maybe a tutorial of some kind? First stop, Google. Anything? Nope. Yahoo? Not there either. MSN? Not even close. Ask.com? Once again, no. Of course there are basic search tips, but they are buried. If you click on Google's Advanced Search link, then Advanced Search Tips, then Basics of Search, you will actually finally find a page featuring what I'm suggesting. But why bury this information down a non-intuitive path? All the engines are aware of the limits of their audience, as usability and search trends data reveals how unfamiliar typical users are with how search engines work. So why is there no simple demo available right from the homepage of every major search engine? Search engines should treat their interface like the software it is and provide this information. In my opinion, without this, search engine fatigue is going to continue to be a trend.
11: This is Jeff. Last week there was a report published on search, search fatigue showing that 72% of all individuals basically give up because they were unable to find what they were searching for. Margie here did a great job on her blog post and on our podcast discussing it in more detail, trying to provide some insight on how to search smarter. But here's a way to search faster instead of using Google or Yahoo or any other engine to do your search and then going to another search because you couldn't find what you're looking for, there's a site that lets you search two engines at once. polycola.com, p-o-l-y-c-o-l-a.com. The default settings are Yahoo and Google, but visitors can also search Live, Ask, Dogpile, AltaVista, and even AOL using a simple drop-down. It's also possible just to search the web, images, video, news, shopping, directory, answers or blogs by clicking on the appropriate circle. The results are shown then split screen. One of the pluses is that the results are focused more on the natural search results, not on the paid listings, which may not be relevant. This unfortunately does not help searchers search smarter or help the, quote, search engines read my mind, end quote, but hopefully looking at two results at once will help the user to at least be able to fine tune his searching and find the way they're looking for sooner before they give up and walk away.
12: Hi, this is Katherine, and today we're going to talk about the recent search engine updates on Google and Yahoo. The search engine marketing, or SEM community, has been quite a buzz lately over some search engine updates on Google and Yahoo. During the month of October, Google made several updates to their Google PageRank that has SEM experts speculating whether or not Google was penalizing blogging networks or just sites that sell text links. Lauren Baker from Search Engine Journal was able to confirm with Matt Cutts at Google that the recent search engine update was related to paid linking and advertisement links which influence Google PageRank. On Halloween, Yahoo announced their own search engine update on their blog. They're rolling out some changes to their crawling, indexing, and ranking algorithms. While no date was set for these changes, it's sure to create more buzz within the SEM community. For the old-timers, major updates right before the holiday season shouldn't be a surprise. Traditionally, Google and other search engines have dropped bombs in Q4. In 2006, Google changed how they scored landing pages, sending PPC managers into a panic. The year before that, Google did an update to their Google AdRank algorithm. My advice to business owners is to stay on top of the trends, stay tuned to our blog and podcast and weather the storm, because Q4 just isn't the holiday season, it's search engine hurricane time.
3: Hi everybody, this is Michael, and in public relations, it's all about relationship building and knowing which editors and bloggers to pitch your ideas to. Many editors will not take emails and phone calls from individuals due to the fact that they are not paying attention to the stories they are writing. One horror story that I found was on LongTail.com, where Chris Anderson, the editor of Wired Magazine, posted the email addresses of people who are blacklisted from pitching him ever again. It's a great debate between the lazy approach to PR, which is spam emailing every writer you can find, and sending the right pitches to the right editors. This could be the difference between having a story picked up and never speaking to a reporter again. I leave you with this. Do your due diligence, research the right editor, read several stories that he or she has written in the past. There are several ways of doing this, like Google News and LexisNexis. Journalists are so busy with thousands of pitches, you want to make sure you don't waste their time. And definitely don't want to get blacklisted from ever speaking to them again.
0: Okay, so here's Susan with her first blog entry.
10: Hi, this is Susan. Here are my 10 golden rules for blog promotion. Anyone can blog, but in order to be successful and become a credible part of the blogosphere, you really have to stand out among the pack. Here are some ways that I get traffic to my blog, workingonmyfitness.com, as well as types of blog posts and other tactics that have brought success to my blog. Number one. Passion posts. These are posts that I try to incorporate in my everyday life about fitness and eating healthy. An example would be an interesting way to exercise to make it less boring and more fun. Tip number two. Innovative idea posts. One of my blog posts was about a bento box being a way to portion control your meals, which was later linked to by AOL's fitness site. This resulted in a lot of traffic coming to my site that day number three weekly roundup posts every week I compile a list of blogs that interest me linking to other sites this way makes the reader more compelled to actually read your site and number four forums another way to get traffic to your blog by is going to popular forums that are related to the subject you blog about in my case forums related to fitness and health I include a link to my site and my signature or a profile in that forum Golden rule number five, directory listings. Directories are another way to get traffic to your site since they are categorized in different subjects and even subcategories. This makes it easy for readers to find sites that are of interest to them. Number six, blog linking. I link to blogs on my site that I enjoy reading and other bloggers link to my site if they enjoy reading my site. This is the simplest way for readers to find my blog by finding it on their favorite blog. 7. Google Food Google loves content, especially relevant content that is updated frequently. Since my blog is updated often, this helps it to be able to be found in Google and other search engines. Number 8. Research Posts These posts are usually about a topic I want to focus on, for example, the nutritional value of a vegetable. I would do research to generate a post about it and make it my own. Interaction posts, number nine, these posts ask your readers to voice their opinions on a topic such as, what fitness magazines do you read, or a poll on how long do you exercise, 30 minutes, one hour, two or more hours, and number 10, news posts, these posts are about what's happening that's making news headlines, for example, the recent ban on iPods used during marathons sponsored by USA Track and Field. Good luck making your blog successful.
0: Great job, Susan. Thank you so much to everyone over at 10 Golden Rules. Well, next up is our coverage from AdTech New York. We did some audio work for Webmaster Radio, Brandy and the team over there. Thank you guys for, for incorporating us in what you were doing. And I have at least two shows worth of great content. So first, I'd like to take you to the trade show floor. There was four floors of amazing booths all throughout the AdTech show. And it seemed like there, were, there must have been over 100 ad networks. Now, what an ad network is, is when a web company gets a bunch of common websites together under a theme. So they might have a theme of a bunch of websites targeting fitness or a bunch of websites targeting um, you know, young people. And they create what's called an ad network so that you can run ads across that network of sites and reach a dis- defined interest group. And it's rel- I guess it's relatively easy to cobble together an ad network. And all of these guys are looking for unique offers that that they can be the exclusive advertiser on this network and ex- unique or exclusive offers that they can advertise as an affiliate across the network. So it's a really an expanding space. It's relatively easy to get started in this space and it and it's clearly some one of the boom areas That's happening at the show. Um, As as I mentioned, there must have been over, you know, 50 or 100 different ad networks at AdTech New York. What I did is I stayed away from most of the ad networks. And I'm going to share with you some of the new and interesting companies that I met, some of the companies that were, you know, sort of had a different technology take, or looked at um, the business a little bit differently, or had just launched. So let me go to some of that audio, and uh, we'll go to AdTech New York live from the trade show floor. Glenn
13: Hoke.
0: I'm here with Glenn Houck of LeadQual, and it's an interesting story, and I'll let Glenn tell it.
13: Yeah, at LeadQual, we provide online, uh, instant live transfer programs for companies that generate leads online and end up closing them offline.
0: Great. So how can people use it? How, how does it work? Well, what we do is uh, we
13: take your, uh, your internet leads, we call them within approximately two minutes with a live person, we qualify them based on your own specific qualification criteria, and the leads that pass those criteria are live transferred to one of your sales reps, and the leads that don't meet those qualification criteria are filtered away so you can treat them with uh, other lower cost forms of marketing like email.
0: So the forms are filled out online... Yeah. And and then you call the phone number.
13: Yep. Yeah. So uh, if someone is looking to get information about your company, they'll fill out one of your lead forms. Within two minutes, uh, Lead Qual Internet Response Expert will be calling that lead on your behalf, uh, qualify it based on uh, what a good lead is for your organization, and, and they, passes- they call as as your company, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so this is. Glenn Howe calling on behalf of 10goldenrules.com, if it's in your case. You're yes. good. You're good. It's good on his toes. <laughs> there you go. And uh, what it does is it increases your uh, internet lead conversion. Um, and the marketers in, within companies like it because every lead gets called immediately, which is the number one uh, uh, lever in increasing conversion. And the sales reps like it because they're out of the game of calling uh, the low-converting internet leads and chasing people who don't really have uh, uh, interest in their product. Which categories work really well for you guys? Uh, well, we do it in uh, in finance, mortgage, uh, debt consolidation, education, uh, residential real estate, uh, business phone systems. We have a lot of B two B. I made the mistake about two years ago <laughs> when I,
0: you I, I, I wanted to be internet guy and I was looking at redoing my mortgage and I, and nobody called me please because it's done. No. But I, I put some information in a couple of the different websites. So the, when I when I started immediately getting calls. That might have been a service like yours. Not just the, the agents directly, right?
13: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. In mortgage, a lot of the lead generators sell the lead to five different mortgage brokers or banks, and the person who reaches the uh, the potential uh, person prospect looking for the mortgage first, prospect yeah. first typically gets the deal. Yeah. So we're the and we're it's typically like the that. So call. many categories. Yeah, the first person right. to reach the lead has a sixty percent uh, greater chance of uh, closing the deal than the second person.
0: Great. And where can they find you guys if they want more information?
13: Uh, www.leadqual.com, L-E-A-D-Q-U-A-L.com.
0: I also ask one one personal question of everybody about, about the Internet. Um, is there any websites you've, you're using for personal productivity or anything for fun, anything new you've discovered recently?
13: <laughs>
0: Are you <laughs> a Facebook or LinkedIn guy? No, no, no we you were... can't mention that. So.
13: <laughs> uh, we, uh, I'm a... I, I use Google, uh, <laughs> as everyone does. I I, we do. I do use LinkedIn. I found myself on Tuesday mornings checking my uh, fantasy football <laughs> every week and getting frustrated this morning as I got beat. Uh,
0: but uh, that's it. Nothing new. <laughs> okay, Glenn, thanks so much. All right, Jay, thanks. I'm here Keith Ipple. Is that the correct p- pronunciation? from Lat49, they just launched six weeks ago, and I'll let Keith explain what it is, because I probably wouldn't do as good a job. Great, thanks, Jay.
14: So Lat49 is a, is really the first geo-targeted ad platform. And you have to try platform. and do
0: it without the visual. You could describe the visual, but Keith showed me on, on online. So.
14: Yeah, certainly a picture's worth a thousand words, so I think going to lap 49com will give everybody a true sense, but what we're doing is, is, is we're delivering true geo-targeted advertising where Today, if you go to, for example, a MapQuest.com or other sites, the ads that are delivered, they're trying to deliver based on traditional metrics and traditional tools and capabilities. However, in an Ajax mapping world, it's no longer about seek, find. It's about explore, discover, and engage. And as people pan and zoom the map, both zoom in and zoom out, the ads that are currently delivered by existing ad networks no longer become relevant, they're not refreshed properly, they become obtrusive to the user, and they become less valuable both for the publisher as well as the advertiser.
0: So what's the consumer difference for you? Like, Does the consumer go to LAT49? Great
14: question. We actually have an ad network, so they they go to their traditional map-oriented sites, whether it's a mapquest.com, etc. We have a growing publisher network, currently over 30 sites, growing quickly. Um, So they would just go to their traditional sites, and what they would find on sites that have enabled LAT49 is... A better map experience because we deliver on-map, line-of-sight advertising. So the map is, is more engaging and is larger, but the ads are also more relevant to where they're looking and what they're doing with the map. So that's truly the difference between what they're doing today and, and, and what they would see in the future.
0: So is it a technology innovation you have or the
14: ad serving? What's the differentiator?
0: We, uh, we have a
14: technology differentiation. So we have three patents pending with Lab 49. In addition, we have a business model innovation. So we actually sell our ads not on traditional cost per click or cost per impression models, but we sell using a classic bricks and mortar where we actually lease real estate, parcels of land that we call tiles, to the advertiser for a fixed period of time. So guaranteed ad placement, guaranteed exclusivity for a fixed fee, which is unique for advertisers. We're getting great feedback from them and great feedback feedback from the publishers who are finding that they're actually gaining higher revenue on a monthly basis from our system than from traditional models.
0: All right. Well, that's great. Thanks so much. And the, the website is lat49, L-A-T number four, number nine, right? lat49.com. That's correct. Thanks so much, Keith. Thanks for your time, Jay. Sonia Schweiger. I'm here with Sonia Schweiger from Creative Web Blogging at AdTech New York. And Sonia, they, they've got a interesting approach to blogging. It's a blog network. I'll let Sonia tell you a little bit more about it.
6: We are an international blog network. In, uh, we have 80 blogs based in the U.S., a couple of in France, China, and Germany. Uh, we basically provide high-quality content. We hire and pay our bloggers to produce high-quality content for us and sell ad space on that. Um, furthermore, beside of the basic regular display ads we also have sponsorships available on our blogs and we can even outsource your blog so basically if your company has a need for a blog is looking to a to approach the whole blogging thing we can help you with that we do the PR the marketing and also the whole branding for you
0: what are some of the best ways to get traffic to a blog
6: um one of the best ways is definitely make your friends out there in the community you know post in a couple of forums, go out there, use social bookmark tools like Dick, you know, use all your social networks that you have from Facebook to LinkedIn, just everything, and really make your friends out there. you got to be, and of course, never forget about really good content. It's very, it's, it really has to be unique content. Otherwise, it's going to be a little bit boring after a while.
0: What's an example of some of the blogs you have in the U.S.?
6: Um, we have actually a couple of very great business blogs. Um, also niche topics like small businesses, for example. Um, we have a great Web 2.0 web blog. I would highly recommend that. Um, it's www.web2weblog.com. Um, web...
0: Sorry, say that again. Web.
6: Web2weblog.com.
0: Web2weblog.com? Mm-hmm. Web2weblog.com. Okay.
6: Correct. Um, that is... Really great blog. Everything about it. Uh, we also have a social network blog. It's also quite interesting. It tells you all about Facebook and the growth in there. And yeah, I think that's our main blogs.
0: That's great. And what do you do for? And so people would come to you to create an ad, or or someone's interested in writing content. Are you looking for more content developers?
6: Absolutely, we're always looking for bloggers. Everybody who feels inspired to blog has an interesting topic. We're very happy to also integrate new topics. We have currently, as I said, 135 blogs, all verticals. Just shoot me an email, and we're happy to look through that.
0: Well, go ahead. What's your email address?
6: <laughs> it's Sonia at creative-weblogging.com.
0: Great. And where, where do you get the ads? How, what Do you use Google AdSense or...
6: Of course, we work with Google AdSense, we work with a couple of affiliates, and we also have a lot of direct sales as well.
0: And what was the, you mentioned another one, open? We work
6: actually, yeah, our ad server in the background is open ads right now, it's an open source technology, it works great for us, we can geo-target, IP target, pretty much everything, what, you know, every ad agency is looking for.
0: Great. And the last question I ask everybody is a personal question. What What do you do for yourself? Like any new web technologies you've discovered? Any sites you're enjoying for either your own um, ease of use on the internet or any new technologies or anything for fun?
6: Well, actually, I have to say I'm a huge Facebook fan. I really like Facebook. Um, I keep in touch very well with my friends overseas since I'm originally from Germany. It's a great tool for me to communicate with them back and forth and you know, post funny things here and there.
0: Did you have to tell your friends in Germany about Facebook or is it around the world?
6: Um, it is around the world, it's getting bigger, people acknowledge it overseas. Um, I have actually a lot of clients in the UK <laughs> who are using Facebook and also do a lot of business over Facebook there. Um, in Germany it's coming. Takes a little bit, but it's coming.
0: Great, thanks so much, sonia Pleasure talking to you.
6: Thank you very much, Dave. Yes, you can be
13: the man. Yeah, you, you can
15: right. go around the team too. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else can answer
0: one. <laughs> All right. A little bit about Radiant Six. Sure. Uh,
15: Radiant Six is a uh, uh, technology company uh, that has built a set of tools for social media monitoring. Uh, specifically designed for uh, PR and ad agencies and professionals, um, <clears throat> provided as a, as a web-based service, and it's completely you know, self-service, easy to use, and, and built to enable the PR and ad pro to be the expert in social media.
0: And how is Radiant 6 better than you mentioned before? There's a bunch of different technologies that it, it can take the place of. Like, How is it better than Google Alerts and Technorati? And does oh, it just well, bring all that together?
15: Yeah, I mean, it it starts with the fact that we've built this technology almost exclusively by going out and working with agencies, uh, hearing their pain. Um, hearing what, what they would love to have in the perfect social media monitoring system built for agencies and we've really built it around all of those requirements so you know uh, Google Alerts and Technorati and tools like that online they're all uh, fantastic at what they do but when we got right down into the agencies with them trying to uh, you know deliver uh, value add service to their clients um, there was a lot of pain there and they and they needed you know more advanced systems to, to go out and service their clients
0: so can you give me a, like a simple case study um, Client X is in in this type of space, and what kind of information are they going to find using Radiant Six that they wouldn't find otherwise.
15: Sure. Well, take um, you know take take a take a big brand example, like, and I'm just going to pick something here. I'm going to say um, let's take Microsoft, take a really big brand like that. So when you're doing uh, media monitoring for a company like that, you want to know what's being said about my brand. Okay. Well, if you just go to a um, you know a search engine on the web or something like that, you're going to get thousands of hits per day on that brand, and then how are you ever going to weed through all that and understand what to do? Well, with the Radiant 6 system, what we provide you with is an ability to get to... uh, the information or, or what's being said about your brand uh, quickly and easily, and I'll give you, give you a couple of examples, um, and you could almost think of this as a, as a top-down and bottoms-up approach to how do I get to what matters quickly. So from a top-down perspective, you know, Radiant 6 enables you to very quickly get to a list of the top influencers about your brand out on the internet. So these are the people that are consistently blogging, posting YouTube videos, twittering about your brand out on the internet, and within the Radiant 6 system, you can find them easily and then start tracking them and hearing what they're saying on a daily basis. Is that
0: top influencers based on frequency of posts or top influencers, is there a qualitative component or quantitative?
15: Absolutely. It's based on a number of different factors or metrics that we bring down. So one is the frequency of posts about your brand. Um, Other things that we bring down and mix into that are things like uh, the commenting activity on the posts that an individual, say, blogger or YouTube publisher Publishes. So, we pull down the number of comments, the number of unique commenters, and we actually update that um, on a regular basis and continue to track it moving forward. So, we know if things are actually trending up or trending down for a particular influencer. Uh, another metric we bring down is um, something known as engagement. And it's something we actually calculate on every piece of content uh, that comes into our system. And what we do is we factor in uh, the number of times unique commenters will re-comment on a post, essentially measuring to what extent is there a discussion thread happening inside the comments on a particular post. So a a bloggers
0: a- evaluated on how many posts and Absolutely. quality and quantity of yeah. posts.
15: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, that's the kind of the top-down approach, which is here's your list of 100 most influential bloggers and YouTube posters out there about you. The bottoms-up approach, which again is very unique to the rating six system, is by looking at the commenting activity on individual pieces of content, we find the hot pieces of content as they're becoming hot based on the fact that there's people there engaged in discussions around them. Whether it's an influencer or not, it doesn't matter if there's a piece of content out there that's got 100 comments on it. You need to know about that because that's important, whether you're just listening or whether you're looking for opportunities to go out and engage in the discussion around your brand.
0: And what's the scope of the product? Like, is it for my, the Microsofts of the world or can smaller folks use it? No, Tell, we, to, and, get, you know, break it down to, like, cost and how people can find it, try it, use it.
15: Sure, absolutely. You know, it's, um, it's available for a broad spectrum of companies, everything from small small brands to the biggest in the world like like Microsoft. Um <clears throat> In terms of uh, you know cost-wise, um, this goes back to working with agencies over the last over the last year. You, right into the pricing model, it, it's built for PR and ad professionals and agencies. Um, so it's all built around uh, the topics that that you're going to track. So it's it's a it's a monthly subscription model based on uh, what we call a topic profile which can be an unlimited number of conversations that you're tracking inside a topic profile. And they generally start around 600 a month, and then they can they can vary up from there. But, you know, a lot of brands will get in for 600 a month and, and be able to monitor themselves out on the Internet.
0: Great. The whole team from Radiant's here. Anything anyone, anyone else wants to add? Anything we missed? Uh, anything people should consider? Well, Dave Alston?
13: Uh, well, I think that the one thing that, uh, to just build on what Chris was saying, when it comes to determining the influencers, um... We don't precalculate exactly how that's done. Like, we don't have a set formula. What we've done is we've created an equalizer that basically allows each agency or each person each that's using the system to decide whether comment count is more important, unique commentators, uh, engagement's more important, that kind of thing. Because in a lot of cases, the agencies have been doing this manually for a while, and they understand what you know, and who are the most influential that they're doing it manually. Right. So. And
0: where where can people find it? R- radian6.com Radio-6.com. R-A-D-I-A-N not the number six dot com, dot com. thanks right. guys thank you well thank you to everybody at Ad Tech New York there's, there's four or five additional segments like that and we'll get to those in future shows so if you've been left out please um, it's just a matter of time we're trying to get the show in around an hour the next conversation comes from a marketing meetup we held at a Korean barbecue. It was my first time eating this t- style of food where you barbecue right in the middle of your table in downtown Manhattan. We had some really smart and interesting internet marketers with us. So let's go to 32nd Street in Little Korea, New York City, sitting around the Korean barbecue. i
4: Mark and I'm starting an ad network called Nearness Function and I'm also covering the
0: ad tech conference for
4: uh, Center networks.
5: Hi, I'm Tom Bollier with Niche Marketers Network. We're a publisher network uh, specializing in lawyer, uh, lawyer case lead generation and
2: marketing for lawyers on the internet. Hey, this is John Bazzarano with ROI Makers, marketing consulting services, media planning, buying, strategizing, all the good stuff.
0: And John's John's not even a first timer. You called into the show before, right?
2: That's right. called in before. All right, cool.
0: So we're at, at Ad Tech New York. It's uh I, I like to say it's a big publisher show. Um, what are some of the things you guys are seeing at the show? What do you think of the you know, the real trends you're there's sort of happening? Shannon, you wanna take it?
4: Sure. Um well one that I've been writing about a little bit is I think uh there's somewhat of a realization that there's a movement eventually towards brand advertising on the web and how that's going to shake out. <laughs> um, and what that means. Can we stop it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personally, I think it's uh, where things are going. Um,
5: well, but to realize
4: there's, there's only a handful of the people who are exhibiting here who seem well-positioned for it. Um, but many of the speakers in the different keynotes and sessions today have been getting going back and, fo- back, and back and back to the power and importance of brands, particularly in Crowded markets, which almost everything is today, and where a brand really shines. And so, I think we're going to be moving to a very different relationship with brands, not a constant repetition, but a brand supporting and engaging and richly being a
5: part of a conversation. So, you mean brand as a content brand or brand as a product brand, like a, a retail type brand? I, I think brands as brands, so both. So,
4: from a car to where you get your news. You know, I've been using new brands now. I I subscribe to things like TechCrunch. And when TechCrunch expands to a conference, that brand association goes with it. Um, You know, and I think that's... So brands are still very important today. We're just less used to them in the sort of pay-per-click, mass-volume, immediate action-type markets. But I think they're going to become more and more important as we shift more of our
5: attention to the web. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Well, hi, this is Tom. Um, one of the things that this whole show always says to me every year is it it, it tells me that our yeah. our industry is Are we good.
0: And Reds is actually two two Reds. So. Oh, all right. Oh, I
5: see. And the mic should be just about like that. All right. Well, I'll learn I'll learn this deal. This is all new for me. But I see that the industry of internet marketing and and. Publisher marketing is becoming mainstream. More and more becoming a mainstream avenue to do marketing. I don't see the agencies seeing it yet. Too many conversations where ad agencies think that what we do is poo-poo and they don't really get it when every single person on the Internet gets my ads one way or another in their weekly travels. So it's just an incredible incredible growth place that we're in like the greatest place on earth for marketing
0: I, I had this amazing experience I went to search engine strategies amazing. well it was it, like the same way you're saying the same way Shannon's saying he's seeing brands and and you're seeing agencies here when I came to search engine strategies here in New York the last time I, I was amazed at how old the audience was you know I'm used to being one of the older guys these shows and at, at search engine strategies, there was a lot of gray hairs, like, you know, serious senior guys. There was, and, and everyone was trying to figure out search. Like the PR agencies were there trying to fi- figure out optimized search. The direct marketing agencies were there, and the ad agencies were there. And everyone was getting into it, and they were like six months in and really, really new, but really, you know, anxious to learn and, and kind of nervous. This conference is younger, though. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think?
2: What are you seeing? Jo- John, you want to Yeah, definitely um, online media. I think it's, um, you You know, I was speaking with a, the guy who plays the piano at, at the Hilton, <laughs> he was, and he was saying that he definitely notices that the crowd is, is much younger uh, in, in average. <laughs> and, you know, just... Um, it's a real happening media. It's a, lot of 20s, you know, a lot of twenties, early thirties. You know, myself, I'm in my you know mid twenties. You know, and and um, you know with new trends and new things that are happening, as you were saying, is it social media? You know, it's just it's just really growing where uh, brands are you know accepting it and seeing it very differently, and they're allowing you know, kind of consumers to uh, take control of their brands for a little bit and, and letting them, um, you know, talk about it and there's some negative things that are out there, some risky you, things. Have you guys
0: ever heard a term called digital natives? It's a term describing basically kids today who've grown up digital. They've grown up with, you know, an iPod. They've grown up with computers. They're going to school and there's computers in the classes. What you, you know, what do you think is going to change in our world as
5: digital natives become more important players and consumers? Well, think about it. The, the digital native is the rest of the world from this point forward. You know, we grew up... There was no computer. When I, I didn't even get on a computer until I was 40, maybe 40-plus. 40 He's lying. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm 55 years old. You were on the computer right off the bat. You've been on the computer forever. As long as you can remember, there's been a computer for you to do business with or, or mm-hmm. search school projects with <laughs> yeah and you know we didn't have that so it's changed the whole environment and it just makes this great industry that, that I work in I got a job forever <laughs> I think
4: so. yeah I mean I'm I'm uh, I have to remind myself that I'm exceptional in that I'm I, I'm the third generation in my family to write software um, so my grandfather wrote software in the 50s um, you know when he was doing Calculations for like Rand Corporation, or Donald Douglas on like plane design and satellite design, and he deployed like mainframes to track nuclear explosions. And my mom uh, taught me computer programming because she had a career as a computer consultant, and a freelance programmer, all my as I was all my childhood growing up. So I'm I'm the exception, um, but I, I think one thing that is important to remember is that. Um, Yes, there's going to be a change as you as young people get on, uh, grow up and go into business. But there's also much, much more uh, people online who are not young. And, and one of the faster-growing populations online are like over 65. Um, but it's, it's very easy to sort of say, well, this, the youth get it, everyone else doesn't. Let's ignore everyone else and wait for the youth to grow up. Uh, I think the reality is much more nuanced and complex. I mean, my grandmother, who's in her 80s, spends about as much time online as I do. Um, But she is online playing bridge with friends. Differently. Differently, but still is a Uh, heavy Internet user. And it's not because she's technical. It's because, in part, the technology's gotten easier and it's become more pervasive. And it adds a lot of value and richness to people at every age. But we, as the people building these tools, have to remember that there is an audience out there that's much more complex and much—it's not just demographic by age. There was a great question at the um, last keynote today, where people raised this question of: with behavioral targeting, is it are people going to be shifting out of the mode of just targeting by these sort of hard and fast demographics? Are people going to start realizing that? You know, bridge lovers are bridge lovers, whether they're eighty or they're forty, and I think that's increasingly where things are going to go.
2: Also, um, as a new generation grows up, you know, they are getting so accustomed with personalization. You know, everything that they can do online, and just their worlds are are very different. And I think um, they're going to have. Needs that we didn't really, you know, a lot of us didn't really uh, have, and they're going to want to see a lot of the stuff you could do online with personalizing and, and integrating everything they have into their offline content from TV to other media, you know. And the future, you know, with, with a lot of you know, the media and, and technology is, is going to be, is going to allow you know, personalization, integration, um, and then on a marketing. Uh, standpoint, you know, integration of of analytics and metrics between offline and online, behavioral, you know, psychographic targeting and everything, where where you can really take this information and really serve ads and um, at the right time, you know, at the right places with the right messaging, um, you know, across multiple platforms, um, because the new generation is gonna gonna want to see all that stuff you can do online, it. take it offline and just. Crazy stuff that right now doesn't exist, and well, I mean something that's, that's really
4: changed in just the last, um, probably the last year or two, is you've you've pretty rapidly gone from it being a rare house that had broadband and a, and a home network to that being very common. And a home network means that you now no longer have a device connected through a slow connection to the internet. You know, a computer with a modem, but now you have a home network where you can have lots of devices um, in many different rooms talking to each other and all on the internet. Your iPhone, and your
5: iTouch. Well, well, you you're you're your TiVo, your
4: um, your 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 Squeeze Box doing right. internet radio. Yeah. Um, your storage device backing up all your things.
5: Gaming Microsoft device.
4: is going to try to sell you a home server. Lots of other people could as well. Um, but yeah, your gaming consoles, it's now um, considered a, a strange move when one of the three major gaming consoles doesn't emphasize online when, at, right out of its launch. You know, Things like Xbox Live mean that every household that has an Xbox probably gets that xbox connected to the internet which means they have a home network which also means that they have a device connected probably to their television that's a media center you know there's a whole bunch of other things that are starting to happen
0: well i'm going to wrap up with one more question this is great guys and we could keep going but i know once the appetizers come you're going to be more interested in that mm-hmm. um, tell, tell me a little bit about what you're using personally online things that improve your own personal productivity Any new sites or technologies that you've checked out that you're really getting into? uh, Podcasts you're listening to? Any of that kind of stuff? So I'm going to take it.
5: You know, it's really for me. It's 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 looking at the markets, looking at what other people are doing. Uh, I'm a marketer, so everything I'm doing is about being an opportunist. It's about finding the market, finding where I can get things done. So I like I like service side, uh, not website solutions. From pretty much everything, whether it's finding clients, managing data, managing clients. And then personally, I like to look at architecture. <laughs> you know, cool. weird architecture sites. Where do you do that? I cool. I can't think of this Cool something or other. This great site I found that just points stuff out. But it's just random. In my house, we have three computers. There's only two of us. Wait, three computers, three laptops, plus a desktop, so that any room I go in there's a machine I can just jump on at any time and if I want to take one I move it with me to do something else so. you guys um, do, you, do you have a computer in front of the TV does everyone oh yeah, Two. yeah. Two. Two. usually we'll be in bed watching TV we each have a laptop open jerking around in the laptop going, hey what do you think it is oh really <laughs> yeah I um,
4: I'd say it's things that I use all the time I, I love uh, Twitter um, I use Google Reader. I'm getting started using a site called Remember the Milk, which is an online to do list, um, which also works with Google Gears, which is really nice because you can do it offline. Um, those are probably the biggest things I use. I'm starting to play around with a Firefox plugin called Zotero, Z O T E R O, for capturing note taking and both snapshots of sites and taking notes on documents and books and papers. Oh, I, I like that one actually. Um, so those are probably some of the big ones. And obviously, I'm using Firefox, and I'm multiple operating systems. So I, I, it's part of why I move everything to Gmail.
2: Well, I use um, just the, the basic stuff, man, from the iTunes, you know, and I have a few different sites, um, newsletters for media and everything. I always catch up with every morning, with, you know, media posts and a few others just to mind? learn what's going on out there. Um, and then uh, Jay's podcast, you know those. Those, <laughs> those, those, are, those are great, you guys. <laughs> all right, you know, you know, you definitely want to get this on. Well, guys,
0: thank you so much, and this will probably be on episode 15, which will be all about ad tech. And I really appreciate you doing this.
5: Cool. Thanks. So that was a first for me. He's <laughs> a little
2: hat at it. <laughs> Well,
0: thanks to the guys for sharing a little bit from, uh, you know, taking a little bit of time out of dinner and, and giving us some really great content and some really interesting stuff from a Korean barbecue. Um, next up is our final section before the Song of the Week, and that's the blog or podcast of the week. And the podcast of the week has absolutely nothing to do with marketing on the Internet. As a matter of fact, this is just a bit of a passion play for me, and I thought we lost this podcast because at the end of last season they said they were going to take a uh, that they might not be back, and they took a hiatus over the summer, and I didn't realize they were back again. So the podcast of the week, drum roll, please, is Don Cherry's Grape Line. It's a hockey podcast, and it comes from a syndicated radio show hosted by Brian Williams. And if you're a hockey fan, especially those from Boston or Colorado, you know the colorful ex-coach Don Cherry. And if you're Canadian, you definitely know Don Cherry's Coach's Corner. It's actually the highest rated TV show every week in Canada. It airs between the first and second periods on the Saturday Night Hockey Night in Canada telecast. And Cherry takes his bombastic outspoken style to the podcast airwaves five times a week with the Grape Line show. So let me give you a sample of Don Cherry's Grape Line. All right, back after this, coast-to-coast, coast, you're listening to Don Cherry's Grape Line.
7: Well, it was in Atlanta, and, and I don't know, for some reason, the players always love to go to Atlanta. There was a bar there called The Wharf, and um, and we, we had two days off. Now, they never, ever did this night before a game. I, it was the one thing I insisted on. I didn't mind if they went out, got a little glow, didn't mind, about three beers and, you know, the whole deal. But I said, I don't want anybody drinking heavy, little glow, I didn't mind. Well, one of the guys and who remained nameless, went out and really got hammered. Now, I, I know all about it. I'm like a player. I get dressed with them and the whole deal, and I know this guy's putting on an act. If you're half hammered and you're at a practice, you're skating, you can go frontwards, and you wouldn't know the difference, but you can't skate backwards. Don't ask me how I knew this. I get a lot of funny stories of guys coming. Got to hurry. Anyhow, I blow the whistle, speed up, and he goes front, he goes front, he goes front, he goes front. All right, backwards. Well, you never saw anything like it in your life. He's tumbling, and the guys are killing themselves. I went up to him, and I said, go off the ice now. Tell the trainer that you've got the flu, and you can't skate anymore. Okay? All the players knew what I was doing, but I said to him, don't ever get that flu again.
0: So that's the podcast of the week, Canadian icon Don Cherry with Grape Line. Just a little bit of fun there. So in a week when we make Don Cherry the podcast of the week, we had to go to Canada for the song of the week. And this is a fun song from a Canadian band called Uncle Seth. In fact, Uncle Seth is probably one of the leading, if not the leading band in the online community. They're regular participants on the Podsafe Music Network. Uh, Jay Muna is one of the band leaders, and he's a really sophisticated internet marketer. He has his own podcast on music marketing called Online Music Marketing. He's a regular Twitterer, and I've even seen him perform live in Second Life. The song is called You Don't Need an iPod, and they're helping spread the word that you don't need an iPod to listen to podcasts like this one and others. iTunes is free, so you can go on iTunes, download podcasts for free, you can copy onto CDs, take them in the car, you can take them on an, on an iPod if you have one. So here from the Podsafe Music Network is the band Uncle Seth with the song You Don't Need an iPod. That's it for this week. Give us a call. Give us an email. We're back next week with author Sarah Caldicott. Have a great week, everybody.
9: Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call in line 206-888-6606.